This week's topic with Tom from Consumer Protection is talking about what you need to keep in mind after a natural disaster, um, particularly thinking about the damage left after cyclone Saroja down south. So, Tom, with rental properties, is the tenant or landlord responsible for cleaning up? Well, both parties can be. You know, if there's some bit of water that's got in, and the tenant can mop that up, sort of thing, and, and help out like that. A few palm fronds or stuff down, but. With, with a cyclone like Saroja, that caused what we saw quite a bit of um, damage and destruction there. So a lot of that stuff is going to need to be done by the landlord there. Presumably they'll have insurance or things to, to do that, but um, there is some time that those take. Uh, the, the paramount thing is safety around it, so you know, making sure that the SES is contacted, the local disaster relief, those sorts of places that need to be. Uh, the ele- electricity operators and things like that to get in and make stuff safe is, is above all. What about if there are significant damages like power or water out or the roof being ripped off? Those ones, um, obviously safety first, as we just said, make sure you get the all clear. If you're a tenant, then you know normally the tenancy laws say that those things need to be, you know, your hot water system, your electricity, those sort of stuff need to be resolved by the landlord or they need to make steps within 24 or 48 hours. Obviously, in, a, in natural disaster event like this that could take longer because of um, firstly safety issues but then there's the supply you know getting the parts and getting the people in the licensed qualified people inside some patients is needed all around there mm-hmm. and next level if a property is so badly damaged that it can't be lived in for some time what happens then and look those can be complicated whether you're a tenant or whether you're just a homeowner that's living in your own home obviously there's some uh, you know can be a bit upsetting for all parties there. Uh, firstly, with with that, if you're a tenant, wouldn't expect the landlord to be charging you rent necessarily if you can't live there. By the same token, they're not on under any obligation to find you a hotel or alternative accommodation uh, if you can't live there in the property that you're renting. It may be that it's so damaged that it's uninhabitable. That would mean it's you know, usually unsafe or needs significant repairs and things like that. In those cases, either the tenant or the landlord could issue a notice of termination. The tenant can give two days' notice to break lease, basically, and the, the landlord seven. Um, but generally, we wouldn't expect people to be living there because it would be to be uninhabitable means that it shouldn't be lived in. You know, it's unsafe. It could fall down, cause cause danger, and things like that. So it's another issue which is in an already complicated rental market um, may come about. We can help at consumer protection to to help other parties, you know, work through that and then try and negotiate an outcome where the tenant you know, might not be able to live there for a time being, but then may be able to come back and, and so forth like that to help mediate out a, an outcome that's suitable for all parties. Mm-hmm. Um, after a natural disaster, particularly in regional towns, I think a lot of people have some sense of the fact that. Um, there's a real demand and supply issue when it comes to tradies, licensed tradespeople to, to help with those repairs. What should people look out for? Yeah, be very cautious of, of blowing <laughs> tradies, unlicensed ones going door to door, that sort of thing, that are trying to just make a quick buck, you know, promising the world. Be very cautious of them. Don't hand over, even to licensed tradespeople that give you a formal quote, you shouldn't be handing over more than, say, 10% deposit to get things rolling. Um, with, with building contracts, it's usually six and a half percent, so quite a low amount there. Um, if you are a homeowner, then you need to look at whether you're authorising someone that your insurer will approve. 
have they assessed the damage? What you don't want to be doing is running ahead with something because you're a bit desperate to get a roof back on your building, and then the insurance company turns around and says, "Oh, you weren't, you know, you didn't use our builder, so you're not covered for it." That sort of thing. Um, making sure you go through the steps that are necessary there. Okay. And sadly, this is another opportunity for scammers. So we've seen how generous people can be when it comes to helping out other people with donations um, for people who've been impacted by natural disasters. Scammers also take advantage, don't they? So what, again, should people watch out for? Yeah, it's pretty shameless that scammers would look to exploit and, and rip money off people in, around a natural disaster. People have lost their homes. and Generous people you know, trying to offer them money or support. But unfortunately, they, they do. Scammers don't care. They just look for money. So if you see you know, GoFundMe pages popping up around the place, double, triple check them. Make sure they're the real deal, that the money's actually going to the right people. Um, what we do advise is that people look for legitimate charities like WA Lords Mayor Appeal. Um, that is one that's registered. I will put the link in the comments for people to get onto it. It's appealswa.org.au. Thank you. Um, and once more, if people have uh, other questions or need more advice about this type of issue, how can they contact Consumer Protection? You can ring our advice line on 1300 30 40 54 or on social media at Consumer Protection WA.